In life, focus equals success. Concord Orthopedics has many talented orthopedic doctors who each sub-specialize or focus on one specific area of the body. To use a sports analogy, there are some setup guys and there are some starters. You start your starters and you bring in your closer at the end because that's what they're great at. Experience the benefits of sub-specialty care at Concord Orthopedics. With offices in Concord, Derry, and New London, you do have a choice. For more information, visit them online at ConcordOrtho.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is now time for New Hampshire's best sports show, The Life with Matt Bonner, with Chris Ryan and Kevin Gray, on WKXL 103.9 FM and 14.50 AM. Bill to Bonner, three seconds, got a fire. Matt does. Good! Oh, mama! That provides the insight of a pro athlete. It was a successful day. Highlights being I uh, dunked on a girl. Got beaten a three-point shootout by a musician. He is joined by two of New Hampshire's leading sports reporters, Chris Ryan. Let's uh, simply just face it, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And Kevin Gray. Listen, you guys know there's only one PG. It's time for The Life with Matt Bonner, Chris Ryan, and Kevin Gray. Welcome to The Life with Matt Bonner. I'm by Concord Orthopedics. I am Chris Ryan, along with Kevin Gray here in the great state of New Hampshire. Matt's down in San Antonio. Spurs, what a whooping. A whooping on the Celtics. Yeah, beat him by 15 points. And uh, we'll talk with Matt about that. He had seven points in that game. Shot three of six from the high in the field as uh, Dave Bonner was all giddy and cheering right for him behind the bench. Go, Matt. Dave got a shout-out, too, from he Mike did. Gorman on TV. Dave was working all the angles before the game. <laughs> he was. He got a nice little shout-out from uh, from Mike Gorman. Uh, well, that that shout-out that was like a year over a year in the making. Last, uh, during the lockout, me and him were uh, driving to New York City that in negotiation session, so he was driving with me, and, and we ran into Mike Gorman at, at a rest stop on the Mass Pike. So he, he's been working that angle for a while. Really entertaining game, and, and Matt, it's funny because like every time you make a basket, they're like Matt Bonner, New Hampshire's own. It's like doesn't matter where anyone else is from, but when you make a basket, New Hampshire gets that shout out. So we like that too. Well, he's the, he's the only guy from New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, but nobody else from New England in those two teams. So what? This is the, this yeah, everyone around the world's watching this game. There's NBA packages. Is there, any, is there anyone on your team from Texas? Look, it's the Celtics, so they're going to give a shout-out to New Hampshire. There you go. Absolutely. And uh, how about the uh, how about the, the overall vibe for you after that game? It was, a, it was a tough game, but you guys were really strong down the stretch and uh, continue to impress with, obviously, their, your depth and the ability to score. I mean, Spurs are a team that can score just about anybody in the NBA right now. I mean, a game or so, you've put up 130 points. I mean, it's been a, a, a really a fabulous uh, season for you guys so far. Yeah, I mean, our, our whole goal on offense is to keep the pace, keep the pressure on, on the defense. And, and the Celtics are a great team, but we knew if we just kept putting that pressure on them, kept pushing the ball at them, Moving the ball, making them uh, guard uh, in transition, that eventually you know we'd break through and pull away, and that's what happened. So you've seen the Celtics twice now. You beat them twice. What is your assessment uh, on the Celtics right now? Work in progress? Uh, are they they are what they are? Obviously, the Celtics, and we've said this for for years, they're a team that you do not want to face in the postseason. I don't think that they're a championship caliber team and I mentioned that last year I said last year was if everything went right maybe the Celtics can win this year I'm not even sure about that because I think they've they've put more talent out on the court they have more talented roster but the rebounding really concerns me uh with with the Celtics they don't seem to have uh the legs late to win games uh and it's just it, it's been a kind of a, a difficult year 
an inconsistent year so far for them. What do you peg that on with the Celtics? I still think it's a work in progress. It's a long season. We're still in the beginning part of it. They do have a lot of talent, and you know it's it's, it's up to them to put it together and, and get that chemistry down. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, sell them short because they've proven over the years that come playoff time, uh, you know, regardless of what happened before, like you said, they're a team no one wants to see and, and a team that that can challenge. We'll do a Patriots here in a second. Brian Sabian, general manager of the San Francisco Giants and Concord native, coming up on the program. Jonathan Quick, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy. He's the best uh, player in the postseason in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup champions, working out with the Monarchs. We'll get his take on the hockey lockout. Come up with the program in just a little bit as well. But KG is here Chris, right now. Chris is pretty tight with Brian Sabian, which i gotta, I got to give him some credit for that because he's not – the easiest guy to get a hold of. But when you're, you know, you're Chris Ryan, you run a radio station, you get a little poll. <laughs> um, that's good. See if you can have Brian Wilson give us a call in. Brian um, Wilson is not going to call us anytime soon. All right. Yeah. But uh, Matt Bonner is. It's the life of Matt Bonner presented by Concord Orthopedics. The best part of the game last night. And, you know, we all stayed up a little tired, but it's okay because it was a tremendous comeback. Best part was the look on the faces of the opposition as this – Incredible deficit was just erased. What was the look on their face when the game was over? Um, happy. Yeah. And so. then the whole thing changed when this kick return by uh, LaMarcus James. All, all of a sudden, they're just totally rejuvenated. And it's one of those things, Matt, where you expend so much energy to get back. 28-point deficit, tie it up, and then uh, don't have much left. So that's kind of one of those sports things where, you know, what does it take to get over the top sometimes when you've expended all that energy? Well, it's tough, you know. You got to think. You dug yourself in this huge hole, like you said. You you basically have to play perfect from that point on, just to even give yourself a chance to win, and then play even more perfect down the stretch to, to pull it off. So it, it's definitely a hard thing to do. Um, you know, all, I think all of professional sports is a game of runs, and Pat's made their run almost at it, uh, but just just couldn't do it. Yeah, the Niners' quarterback was awesome. They showed this letter he wrote to himself when he was seven years old. And he wanted to play for the Niners, and he said, "I'm well, whatever I am, seven years old. Yeah. I've, I've I weigh eighty pounds, blah, blah blah. But in but in ten years from now, this is what I'm going to be doing." And uh, it was pretty cool stuff. So um, a lot in of people years, went to bed. When he was seventeen, he's going to. A lot of people went to bed, gave up on him. And uh, did you ever write a letter to yourself, KG? Um, no, but I wrote a check to myself for a million dollars, and How that someday I'm going to cash it when I'm rich and famous. All right. Have you ever written a letter to yourself, Matt? Uh, man, I think I did in like seventh or eighth grade. I have no idea what happened to that letter or what I wrote. All right, Matt. You know how, like, when you're in co- high school, you got you got the paperback book cover on your algebra book, and you write your little goals for yourself. You know, and mine was Division One basketball player, Alhambra team, um, Mensa member. Yeah, Mensa member, uh, and all this. You set these little goals for yourself in, in yeah. high school, yeah. and none of those really came true. We even had these shirts printed up, Road to Durham. That's where class I played in the playoffs. We never made it to Durham. Back then, it was actually tough to get into the playoffs. Uh, what did you write down for your goals when you were a freshman in high school? Uh, for me, it was always – I would never really went dreamed huge like huge down the line for me it was always like what's the next thing it was you know win a state championship it was get a division one scholarship uh graduate from college you know i just knew it, you know i was always gonna 
work as hard as I could and, and you know, give everything I had, you know, every cliche you could think of so once I got there and then whatever was going to happen was going to happen. So that was kind of the way I looked at it. I was writing uh, notes to girls in uh, in high school. I didn't uh, I didn't have any goals, any dreams. Or girls. Well, I was writing notes to them. They didn't mean they responded. <laughs> the notes were written, but uh, responses were kind of, yeah, minimal. So Life with Matt Bonner presented by Concord Orthopedics. So before we got taken kind of astray there on Kevin's path, we were talking about the Patriots. I don't know if you remember did that. Did I take you? Did I kind of move the program in a different direction? You did. We went to a, a letter-writing portion of the program. It's funny because you kind of have in your head the way the show was going to go, but it, yeah. it never usually – I kind of just move it around yeah. a little bit. So we went from, from the Patriots to uh, – to writing writing letters in, in to ourselves in, in high school for some reason, but uh, you know that's the way we roll here. Um, was curious as to where we think the Patriots are at right now. The the, the Boston sports fan is is one of, of highs and lows. After they beat the uh, the Houston Texans and destroyed them in that game, Patriots were going to be Super Bowl champion. They lose to the uh, the to the 49ers, and there's suddenly doubts about the team. Their defense isn't good enough for them to win. They're not consistent uh, enough. They're not a dominant football team. Um, to me, I saw these two games, and I expected the Patriots to go one and one, and. Uh, they lost to a really good football team at home. They made a lot of mistakes. They weren't as prepared as they should have been. They're kind of riding the high off of the the Texans game. It's it's understandable. And to me, they didn't take a huge step back in in my mind. And I was looking as we as we mentioned throughout the program over the last couple of months. This was a big stretch for them, and I wanted to see how the Patriots were going to do against the top competition uh, in football this year. And to me, they looked really good against the best teams in the NFL. So I like where the Patriots are at going into the postseason. Are they going to be uh, the top seed in the uh, in the AFC? No, they're going to have to go to Houston probably uh, to win to get to the Super Bowl, but I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, and I know they can beat the 49ers. And you look at the NFC right now, and 49ers and Seahawks are the uh, the two teams that, that look good right now, but you know there's going to be a team or two that's going to be that five or six in the wild card is going to just get in. They're going to make a nice run as well. So it's obviously a very fluid situation. But overall, guys, I, I like where the Patriots are at right now, Matt. Yeah, I think they, they can beat any team in the NFL. And, and when you're going into the playoffs, that's that's really all you need as a fan to have that hope uh, to think that they could do it. They could they could pull it off. And you know, I forget how many teams – in the in the past, however many years, have won the Super Bowl, having you know having to play that wild card game, having to win four games, so it, it does happen a lot. And uh, you know, obviously the Pats should get that by, but you know, just because they're not the number one seed doesn't mean they can't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys, and they're down thirty-one to three, third quarter. And if you had any questions about the Patriots, they they answered them. You know, you could very easily, oh, well, you know what, we're we didn't. Didn't, didn't get the win tonight. They came back. They were very workmanlike. They were focused on the next play, the next drive. As long as you have a good attitude and you stay locked in on the job and you're trying to help the team win, everything's going to take care of itself, and that's pretty much what happened last night. And as far as the turnovers and Stephen Ridley and people writing, oh, he shouldn't, you know, don't give him the ball again. He's never going to see the field again. When Sometimes it actually happens when a football player tackles you and his helmet goes right on the ball and it pops out. That actually that's fine. That's a give you tip your cap to the defense. It's a good tackle, and uh, so Ridley's fine. He's brought a lot to the team this year, and he's going to be counted on down the stretch. 
So live from the Bonner presented by Concord with Pixels here from uh, Bill Belichick after uh, the, the game last night. He uh, took things pretty hard. Starts with me. Didn't do a good job of coaching. We didn't coach well. We didn't play well. We're good on offense. We're good on defense. We're good enough on special teams. So uh, they just did a better job than we did. I think we got to we just we got to perform better than that. And, uh, we didn't. So that's, that's the result. Bill Belichick right there. Started with the always starts the coaching. Things don't go well. You gotta like that. And Belichick, he gets a little bit too, a little bit too sour after the game, and he gets a little bit too you know down. I think, but I I, I like I like the fact that he's always accepting the responsibility. It always falls on himself first. That I I didn't do a good job of coaching. Mm-hmm. We didn't good job do a good job of playing. Blah blah blah. And I like the fact that he always is always accepts individual responsibility. And maybe he did as good a coaching job as possible, but he's always evaluating himself as harshly as everybody else. And I think that his his team always has to respect that too, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you look at a Belichick, he's he's always looking to make his team better. To, to me, he 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 keeps a pretty even keel. He doesn't overreact after big wins or big losses. It's he knows it's a process. And they need to keep improving and and be the best they can be going into the playoffs because that's that's what it matters regardless of what your seed is. I think uh, I think they were out, out coached a little bit, but it's it's gonna kind of plant a seed for down the road because <clears throat> and as they pointed out on the broadcast, the the Niners are really really dropping back in a lot of different coverages and not pressuring Brady with more than three rushers a lot of times. And the thing about Tom and I. I I was trying to get an answer for this a couple weeks ago. We we're just talking mm. about it. when he has to put that ball on the money. It's just it's just not there this year. It, it's just a little behind the receiver. It's a little over the receiver. It's, it's almost like I, I want to say it's like you know you, you watch back to the Tony year. Romo or Ben Roethlisberger play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to. I know. It, yeah. I should. It's just you get spoiled. But right. like those those little plays that he's just not making this year. But uh, again, credit the credit the defense. But again, when the Patriots play them down the road. They're going to know this is the way, you know, the Niners are, played them last time, making an adjustment. It's the with Matt Bonner, presented by Concord Orthopedics. Up next, we'll do some baseball with uh, New Hampshire native Brian Sabian. He has won the World Series two out of the last three years. Also, we'll talk with uh, L.A. Kings Stanley Cup championship netminder Jonathan Quick after this. Simo South End Deli is proud to present Bishop Brady Athletics on WKXL. Stop into Simo's before or after the game on the corner of South Street and Ironworks Road for a mouth-watering deli sandwich and a huge selection of beverages to wash it down with. Each morning, Simo's also offers fresh bagels, muffins, and pastries. Simo South End Deli, a new Concord tradition. Give them a call at 856-8020 or stop in at the corner of South Street and Ironworks Road just minutes off exit 1. Simo South End Deli, 856-8020. Welcome back. It's the Life with Matt Bonner, presented by Concord Orthopedics. Joining us right now on the program is Brian Sabian. He is the general manager of the San Francisco Giants. Of course, they have won two World Series in the last three years. This interview is presented by the New Hampshire Association of Insurance Agents. Trusted choice agents are in every community and take a pledge of performance. When it comes to everything you value, don't you deserve agents who have made the pledge to you? Only members of the New Hampshire Association of Insurance Agents are trusted choice agents. And to find a trusted agent near you, visit Trusted Choice. Brian Sabian joins us right now on the phone from San Francisco. Congratulations, uh, Brian, and how are you? Thank you, sir. 
congratulations. And uh, we've been uh, catching up with uh, your mother and sister a little bit down at the Sandwich Depot, and they're anxious to hear you back on the program. So uh, congratulations first off, and uh, obviously you're, you're hard at work uh, preparing for the 2013 season. But take us through kind of what the last couple months have been, been like for you in, uh, in basking in the glow, so to speak, uh, of uh, the latest World Series championship, the second time in three years the San Francisco Giants uh, have won. Well, that's perhaps the most amazing thing. Uh, two times in three years, it hasn't been done in National League. Gets to go all the way back to uh, Cincinnati and the Big Red Machine. So, um, you know, in our minds, at least for this short window of time, we've reached baseball Camelot. But uh, that short-lived, unfortunately, in a position like mine on the front office, uh, we don't get much time off, and you have to move on to the next roster and the next team. And, and we've been so slowly uh, uh, doing that, but still basking in the glow again. What's most interesting to me, and, and obviously you look at the era that we're in, and, and no team has won multiple championship back, back-to-back since the Yankees from uh, 96. Uh, 96 they won, and 97 they did not, and in 98 to 2000 they won three consecutive championships. Uh, the Red Sox did it two times in four years, but in terms of where baseball is at right now, this is uh, close to a quote-unquote a dynasty winning a two and two and three. Not only that, but it seemed that your roster, although you had the base guys who had success for you in the in the previous round, the Matt Canes, uh, the the Buster Posies, you were able to, to turn over the the roster and have new guys have success for you this time around. Brian Wilson, of course, from Londonderry, not a part of this championship team. Uh, it, it was it was very interesting that not only were you able to do something that's frankly not done in this current era, but it was done with a roster that had changed dramatically. Well, it, it is uh, interesting in that it might be the sign of the times uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, a lot of period in baseball, uh, the uh, the games, and, and really as you go through the season in the National League uh, are so competitive. Uh, and more so if you look at the history of our division, uh, whether he's a favorite or not, he usually doesn't play out that way. And uh, it can be outhouse at Castle from year to year. And I'm sure with all the activities that Dodgers have just uh, done over the, the span of you know, less than a year, they'll be favored in our division. But the irony or, or the bigger issue is, uh, you know, our core players and maybe our celebrity per se really has been the homegrown pitching. And then we are fortunate enough now uh, to get a lot of our own position players on the field. So as you move forward from uh, year to year and, and you do make changes on your roster, you, you do do need a, a really a, a pretty good uh, core or some continuity going forward and we've been fortunate enough to have that the red sox have obviously spent big money on shane victorino and and mike napoli um i was i was intrigued by that because i thought that with with your championship victory that we may see a change of of the times and the the guys who are so difficult to find those those role players who come up big and get the big hits in the big moment the marco scuderos uh, this time around for you I thought that there'd be kind of an effort to find those guys and more of an investment in in pitching, um, because if you look at yourselves and the uh, the Cardinals from uh, 2011, obviously they had Albert Pujols who helps, but um, it, it seemed that the pitching, particularly the back end and obviously the starting rotation as well, is what allowed those teams to win championships. And it, it's and I'd like to hear you speak from a general manager's perspective about what I feel is the most difficult thing as a general manager and is finding the guys who are going to have success for you in the postseason. Because obviously you look at the Yankees, and the Yankees put together a, a lineup that is the, one of the best, if not the best, in baseball each year. But 
postseason success for those guys is is very often difficult to find. Well, the postseason I found out is is, is very different per se than than the regular season. But again, I go back to the style in the National League. We we play so many close one two run games that you really have to build your team first and foremost around pitching and defense because normally that doesn't slump like your hitting can go up and down in elevator fashion. Now, in speaking to the American League East, or more so the American League in general, um, you know, you do have to worry about what runs scored and what you're averaging, especially uh, at home and you're winning your share of home games and then being competitive on the road. Uh, but, you know, in, in our case, uh, we've also find, found out almost like in Patriot fashion that uh, the more versatile your team can be, and I mean, you know, with your position players being able to play more than one position, uh, them being able to hit more than one spot in the order, it really expands the possibility on a daily basis or from series to series uh, that uh, your manager has more choices than the next guy in the other dugout. And uh, it is a long year. You do have to rest people. You have to be uh, you know, mindful that guys are going to get run down. In our case, we're a West Coast team. The travel is brutal. On us, I think other than Seattle, we have the most travel in baseball. So there are some factors that go into it as a National League team or, you know, West Coast per se. And, uh, you know, everybody looks at it a little bit differently. But I think what we found over time, and we lived through the Bond-centric era, that uh, the old adage, pitching and defense, usually keeps you in most games. And if you have a productive enough offense or, or an unselfish offense, which we became the second half of the season, didn't strike out much and, and mm-hmm. we were, were able to do uh, quite a bit of damage with runners in scoring position. And if you watch this in the World Series, uh, you know, we could play baseball. We could manufacture runs, and, and uh, Detroit, for whatever reason, wasn't capable of doing that. And thus, we you know, were able to sweep them. Yeah, and uh, joining us on the program, Brian Sabian, obviously from Concord and general manager of San Francisco Giants, two World Series championships in, in three years. And, and looking at the American League East and the Tampa Bay Rays, a similar model uh, to the San Francisco Giants. So uh, what, what you're saying basically is that they're – and Chris Carpenter uh, joined us on the program uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said basically there is no specific model to winning championships, despite what they did in 2011, what you did in 2010, what the Rays have done in, in being consistent with a, a low payroll and what you did in 2012. There's no consistent model there where teams can say, you know, this is how you go about winning. So per se, you, you don't think you've actually created a, a model for how teams will win moving forward. That's that kind of the, the target and the benchmark will keep changing. Well, I, I'll say this uh, as much as uh, over the you know course of my tenure here, we've been to the playoffs. The slippery slope is the first round of playoffs. And, and if you're used to playing close games like we are over time in our division, uh, and, and uh, you know, I go back to the depth uh, of the ball club, and one of our uh, you know, mantras is win the games you're supposed to win. If you have a deep bullpen and, and can close the game out, uh, you have a chance to fir- win that first round. And it's my feeling that anybody that wins the first round has a chance to go on and, and uh, you know, do damage later in the playoffs. And, you know, it's a strange irony with us. Uh, we've been knocked out, uh, you know, uh, at times in the first round. Uh, and the team that beat us went on to either win the World Series or went to the World Series. In our case, uh, as we've gotten through the first round, every time we've done that, uh, we've either gone to the World Series or won the World Series. So I, I think if you look at how the games played, there are very few blowouts as these series go, and you expect them 
uh, to be close. And we were surprised anybody to sweep uh, Detroit. But again, I go back to the first series, uh, the five-game series, is a very difficult series to navigate. And the first round of the of the playoffs this year was just was fabulous. It was uh, some great theater, and and the San Francisco Giants were a part of that. And uh, I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because you mentioned how difficult the first round was, and obviously here in New England, everybody looks back to. 2004 and what the Red Sox did down three games to none coming back winning four consecutive games two of which were at home they went to Yankee Stadium to win games six and seven your feet although fewer games one was I think equally or perhaps more amazing considering that you lost both games at home to the Reds who are very good baseball team and you're going to Cincinnati you have to win three games in Cincinnati, you haven't had any success so far, obviously, in the postseason, losing those first two games. Is, can you compare that feat to what the, to what the Red Sox did? Is it, is it greater, not as great? How do you look at it? Well, in some ways. Uh, I mean, we didn't have the luxury of playing any more home games in that series, but we had the luxury of two things. A, uh, we had a day off to kill their momentum. B, the, the, the third game, or the first game in Cincinnati, uh, we won a one-run game. I think we had one hit through, I don't know, nine-plus innings. Yeah. And ended up winning the game in extra innings. And, and that really uh, stemmed the tide and, and turned things around uh, for us. And uh, we were able, for whatever reason, and we did it in the second half. We scored more runs on the road, and we were able to neutralize them with runs in scoring position. So it, it became an interesting uh, a series as you saw it unfold. But at that point, it's it, it's just survival instincts. Uh, in our case, we had a very committed group, much like St. Louis. Uh, they were determined to hang in there and, and prove everybody wrong, not wanting to go home. So, um, very interesting place in time. But we ended up in the same predicament almost, uh, or, or in, in the, the next series with the NLCS in St. Louis. And the Giants, of course, had not won a World Series since '54 when they're back in New York. Willie Mays, obviously, with that team until 2010. You've been with the the San Francisco Giants as their general manager since 1997, longest tenured general manager in in baseball. But how often do you still think back about uh, the people who helped you along the way here in New Hampshire? I mentioned that the Sandwich Depot previous, and Jane Sullivan is always down there. Big Red Sox fan, but when. The uh, the Giants are doing well. They're in the postseason. She's got her Giants hat on. There's people who still here in in the Concord community who uh, who associate uh, with you and and your family and obviously uh, the the San Francisco Giants as a result of it. That's it's great to see. It's great to see with with Chip Kelly and all the Oregon hats down in Manchester with uh, the Spurs and and Matt Bonner with the Cardinals and. Uh, and uh, Chris Carpenter, that uh, the New Hampshire people still get really into what you guys uh, are trying to accomplish and following your teams. Well, I'm so blessed. You can never forget where you came from. And, and in my case, you know, I played two sports, football and baseball, whether it was Dave Surrett in football and his, his staff or in baseball, uh, starting with Warren Doan, uh, great high school baseball coaches, uh, obviously passed away now, and and my Legion coaches in, in uh, Averill Kate and uh, Kenny Mounsey, and I also did coach Legion baseball for a brief amount of time while I was in college uh, for the summers uh, up back there in Concord. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that as I look back, I, I can't believe how much time uh, was dedicated by these folks uh, to what I call, you know, other people's children. They, they were like father figures to us. Uh, they were very knowledgeable. They committed in, in uh, not only in their their instruction and in their their coaching uh, abilities, but uh, you know they 
they stood a test of time and, and uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of continuity with the programs I participated in and, and it was a great foundation and, uh, you know, I'm really proud of that. And, and if, in the greatest sense, you know, I'm part of the, the sports fabric that's come out of New Hampshire. It's one of the smallest states in the country, but, you know, per capita, we certainly produced a lot of people that have gone on in, in uh, professional sports or, you know, done pretty well, uh, you know, career-wise in, in, in whatever sport they dedicated themselves to. Yeah, particularly in baseball. It's been amazing what's been what's come from New Hampshire in regards to baseball. Final thing, uh, have you, what, what point did you start to think that this would, would be possible? Would you be general manager of one of the greatest franchises in, in all of sports? Obviously, you came through the Yankees organization as a scout and as a kid growing up in New York. My, the first team that I really remember is the 1990 New York Yankees, which was one of the worst teams uh, record-wise in Yankee history, but had a lot of members of your coaching staff on it. Hensley Bam Bam Mullins, Roberto Kelly, uh, Dave Rigetti, St- uh, Steve Bye-Bye Balboni's worked as a scout in the uh, the, uh, the San Francisco Giants uh, organization. And at what point did it start to, to become you know the dream that, that you'd be a general manager, start to become a, a reality? Was it in the Yankees organization you thought that maybe an opportunity would have presented itself or even before that? Oh, as a certainly. Kid? I, I was the baseball coach of the University of Tampa, one of the youngest in the country, I think at the time it 24 years old, and uh, the Yankees came calling. My at, at that time, my uh, college coach, American College Bill Livesey, was had been running player at home scouting, and he was a major league slash uh, scout at the time when he changed uh, careers within the organization. And there was a scouting position open, and the rest led to me climbing up the ladder first as a, a scouting director, and then you know matriculated into various higher positions. But as I look back, I had so many mentors, and, and the the, the one thing that I always remember is that, uh, especially in that organization, and you know, I could recite the names and all, all the you know famous folks that I, I worked with or for. Um, they were so interested in passing it on, or so enthused by you know our eagerness to learn and and, and uh, you know carry the torch, so to speak. So that that was the best foundation anybody could have, and, and I can't say enough about uh, my experiences there. Well, Brian, uh, congratulations. Everybody uh, in Concord was uh, so proud to watch you uh, get the opportunity to win another championship this year, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks, Tom. Brian Sabian here on The Life with Matt Barnes from my Concord with Pigs. We're back in 60 seconds uh, with the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, Jonathan Quick. In life, focus equals success. Concord Orthopedics has many talented orthopedic doctors who each sub-specialize or focus on one specific area of the body. To use a sports analogy, there are some setup guys and there are some starters. You start your starters and you bring in your closer at the end because that's what they're great at. Experience the benefits of sub-specialty care at Concord Orthopedics. With offices in Concord, Derry, and New London, you do have a choice. For more information, visit them online at concordortho.com. Simo South End Deli is proud to present Bishop Brady Athletics on WKXL. Stop into Simo's before or after the game on the corner of South Street and Ironworks Road for a mouth-watering deli sandwich and a huge selection of beverages to wash it down with. Each morning, Simo's also offers fresh bagels, muffins, and pastries. Simo South End Deli, a new Concord tradition. Give them a call at 856-8020 or stop in at the corner of South Street and Ironworks Road just minutes off Exit 1. Simo South End Deli, 856-8020.
Welcome back. It's the Life with Matt Bonner, presented by Concord Orthopedics. I'm Chris Ryan. Thanks so much for joining us for the program. Well, yesterday I had an opportunity to sit down with Jonathan Quick. He's working out with the Monarchs. He had off-season back surgery, and uh, obviously there's a great deal of frustration amongst hockey fans. The NHL has still not come to an agreement. Talked with Quick a little bit about that. and Also, obviously his run to the Stanley Cup last uh, postseason. Kings went 16-4, and beat the 1-2-3 and seeds out west. Did not lose a road game until Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals, and Jonathan Quick was given the Conn Smythe Trophy, and that, of course, it means that he was the most valuable player of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Joined by uh, Jonathan Quick, and obviously there's been so much frustration from the fans about where things are at in terms of the lockout. For you, where is the frustration at right now? You want to play, you want to get out there, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be playing right now if it was, so that's, that. you know, obviously... From that standpoint, it's uh, I'm sure my view is a little different than most, but you know, right now I'm just trying to get back to 100%. And obviously, you want to do the things that that the Stanley Cup championship team gets to, like raise the banner, the rings, and all those things uh, as well. Is that that made it even more difficult through this process? The fact that you guys haven't got to do that? Yeah, that's unfortunate and all, but the the issues that are at hand are much greater than you know us not being able to raise the banner. You know, obviously, there's a a lot going into trying to get this deal done and. you know, obviously it hasn't gone as smoothly as we w- would have hoped, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to say the same from the, on their side. But, uh, you know, that's just, uh, you know, there's a lot a lot of things that are a little more frustrating than the fact that you're not, you're not able to raise your banner or anything like that. You know, we're going to be able to do that at some point, and, uh, you know, we just want to make sure we get a fair deal right now. How concerned are you for the, the future of the league, or do you think it's all going to work itself out in the future? Are you concerned that obviously you want to get a fair deal, but the fan, the fans come back, support, and and are confident in the, the quality of play and, and the deal? Well, it's uh, it's unfortunate the fans are kind of stuck in the middle of it, and you know I think uh, you know I hope they come back. You know, it, obviously it's a great game, and it's fun. You know, obviously when you get guys that. Uh, that are the best in the world at doing what they do. It's it's very entertaining to watch, but you know it's it's tough to keep asking them to come back after you know lockout a few years back. Now this lock, you know it's, it's you can't expect them to come back. But uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna try to get a deal done and we're gonna put out a product and hopefully they come. You've been working out here with the Monarchs. How's that been going? You get the opportunity, obviously, to be with the guys, be around the, the team and, and so forth, which obviously a lot of the NHL guys don't have. Uh, right now, how's the, everything been going with the, with your getting back to where you want to be physically? Yeah, it's a process, like anything, and you know it's great. There's a great group of guys there, so it's fun to come in and skate with them every day. Uh, you know, and they they got a great uh, as far as on the ice, they got a lot of talent and a lot of guys that could that could shoot the puck. So it's making my job a little more difficult trying to get back. So um, you know, it's you know I'm just glad that they're able to accommodate for me, and uh, you know I'm able to you know come and work out and skate on a daily basis here. What guys have given you the most trouble? Toffoli, I'd have to imagine, has, has been one of those guys. His ability to pick spots at the net has been pretty amazing this year. There's a few, yeah. He's, he's definitely one of them. Uh, they got a lot of good young players. Uh, you know, I think the one that's giving me the most trouble is uh, Deloria. He's he's the first to uh, you know, sign up whenever I'm going out early, and he wants to always come out and shoot early. He's, you know, he's more than happy to. And, he could shoot the puck pretty hard, so he's, he's been giving me some issues. What do you hope to, to kind of pass along to, to these guys in terms of, of work ethic? And we were talking on the broadcast about the fact that if there's a goalie in the National Hockey League who people want to be, it's it's you right now. You have the, the cup. You obviously have uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy, and uh, the numbers have been fabulous over the last couple of years. What do you hope to, to kind of pass along to guys? 
Um, you know, I don't. It's you know, you just go out and work, and you know, obviously, I have I have goals in my head of what I want to accomplish out there, and um, you know, I think I'm sure those guys do as well. So, you know, I'm, you know, obviously, you talk to them, you talk to them about, you know, just kind of not like trying to pass along wisdom or anything, but just you know, just everyday conversation you have with them and you know maybe some of it kind of ends up helping them out in their in their career and you know that'd be great if that was the situation final thing how nerve-wracking is it for you to be a netminder where you're, you're thinking about jonesy in this game and, and watching you and a lot of times you'll take chances out there you'll move from side to side in, in the net and you, do you get that anxious feeling a lot or you're just calm composed and and just go through about your business while watching the game, or well, play, well, while you're play. out there, while you're in the net, I mean, when you see a puck get deflected one way or, or another, do you get that that anxious feeling, like your heart kind of stops, where the fans get or that the people get during everyday life, you get a little shocked every now and then? If I if I got that feeling, I don't I don't think I'd uh, be alive. This I would have been playing for the past five or six years. I think it would my career would have been over a long time ago if you get those kind of feelings. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's a situation where you you've been in those you know scenarios so much and you've played so many games where you know you just you get used to it and um you know obviously it's the beginning of every new level you kind of you, you get it a little bit you know when you first with a new team or you start a new level you you know you move up from the american league to the national league or college to the american league or whatever it happened to be um you know you get those nerves a bit but you know, you, you come to realize it's the same game and you just keep doing what you were doing at the level before and, you know, you just try to stop some pucks. That's funny because... Jonathan Quick right there. And it's funny because I've talked... It sounds seems like a ridiculous question, um, but I've talked to netminders who have said that they get that kind of uh-oh type of a feeling when the puck is bouncing in the air. You get kind of your that feeling where your heart stops. Um, but there are other guys like Quick... Um, who I had not talked about that before, Marty Berdour, who everything is always just calm. Uh, there's that kind of that Zen feeling where they've tr- put in their work, they've they've trusted uh, their work, and uh, the results are going to be the results, and they don't get those types of feelings. But I don't know. I, I find it a little bit difficult to believe that you don't you know get that that anxiety. Can some goaltenders, as I've said before, they just get that, that frenetic feeling and they're frantic in 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 net and there's that constant uh focus and energy um and anxiety um but obviously for for quick it's not there it's the life of mount bonner my concord orthopedics more with matt after this in life focus equals success concord orthopedics has many talented orthopedic doctors who each sub specialize or focus on one specific area of the body to use a sports analogy there are some setup guys and there are some starters you start your starters and you bring in your closer at the end because that's what they're great at experience the benefits of subspecialty care at concord orthopedics with offices in Concord, Derry, and New London, you do have a choice. For more information, visit them online at ConcordOrtho.com. Welcome back. It's The Life with Matt Bonner, presented by Concord Orthopedics. Do a little baseball here in the final segment. And uh, KG, the, the Red Sox, with a another free agent signing today. So it's been they've signed Stephen Drew, Ryan Dempster, Johnny Gomes, Mike Napoli, and Shane Victorino. Is this going to help the Red Sox at all in your estimation going forward? Well, it's not going to hurt, and you've made the offense significantly better. You haven't taken a huge risk. Um, you're going to bring Drew in, who's who's 
an offensive upgrade and let everyone's been so big on Iglesias and we've been telling you the guy is, he's never going to hit ever, but yeah, he's going to play good defense. So that's fine. If he wants to force his way onto the roster midway through the season, gets his back going a little bit at AAA, that's, that's a bonus. So you got a proven big leaguer at short, Steven Drew. Um, and you get, you absolutely know what you're going to get with Victorino and, and Napoli and these guys, they're proven veterans. They get on base. Um, they're a good fit. So they're, Red Sox have a lot of money to spend, and they're probably going to spend some more. And yes, they are. They have gotten better. They have spent a lot of, of money, and the the amount that they've given to the certain individuals has been insane. Like the the Mike Napoli signing, which appears to be kind of in a holding pattern right now, thirteen million dollars for for him. Uh, he had two, you know in the two twenties, two twenty seven last year, twenty four home runs. And uh, what has been your reaction, Matt, to the to the Red Sox free agent signings? Obviously, they have um, they've had not a huge signing per se of a, of a big name guy, but they have, uh, I think, rounded out the roster in a uh, in a pretty decent fashion. But still, there's, and I think the problem too is that the Red Sox don't have a a wealth of talent on the farm system where you can say, okay, I'm going to bring up you know Josh Reddick or I'm going to bring up this guy who's going to uh, immediately pay dividends. But I see the numbers that that these guys have had over the last couple of years, and you, you have to wonder if there was a better low cost option than uh, than bringing in Mike Napoli. I mean, you look at Lavarnway. Could Lavarnway hit two twenty seven if he was a DH first baseman and catcher and uh, hit, have twenty four home runs, and you pay him you know a million and a half? Uh, that's the, I, the Red Sox have the money to spend, and they've decided to to spend it. I'm just not sure that they've they've done it all that uh, all that wisely, given the production of, of a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you can always make that argument, especially with with a team like the Red Sox, with with the budget they have to sign players. You know, they're they're uh, you know for them, I think they don't have to you know try to squeeze every cent. Out of out of every player they sign, like 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 we saw in or Red and Moneyball, you know, like some of the small market teams do. So so they can afford to go out and, and make sure they get the guys they want to get, even if they end up having to take a bit of a value hit. So you know, as as far as how they're going to mesh into the team, it remains to be seen. Like like any anybody new who comes onto it onto a team, you know, who knows how how the chemistry is going to work, how they're going to play together until we see it next year. Now be honest. Here we go. You see Mike Napoli get hit two twenty seven, hit twenty four home runs, he gets thirteen million dollars. You're not hurting financially, but do you say, Wow, <laughs> I should be getting paid if this guy's hitting two twenty seven, twenty four home runs, and I am doing this in the NBA, do you do you ever say and look across sports and say that I I should be making more than I am? No. Um you know, I'm, I'm very happy to, to, you know, to me, the minimum contract in the NBA is a ton of money. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's different with baseball because you got those, they're big, they have no salary cap, and you have the big market teams, especially New York and Boston, that, that'll go out and kind of sign guys to these outlier contracts that, that might not be typical of someone with those particular stats, but they get lucky. Guys, every year a few few free agents in the NBA get lucky and, and hit a big contract. And you look at their production and their numbers, and you know, ask how the heck did they get paid that much? So, so it happens in every sport. Um, you know, I don't I don't sit there and get bitter that it that it never happened to me. You know, I'm, I'm happy happy with what I have. It's the life of Matt Bonner from my Concord Orthopedics. Um, 
somebody asked me this the other day about guys with big contracts and if there is a uh, if there's a guy who has a big contract on a team and he's not producing or he's not playing as well as the other guys think he should is there resentment towards that guy because um, my thing was my thing is that the guys want to play and guys want to have the opportunity for the next contract and I don't really think there's a lot of resentment towards um, guys who were rewarded in the past I think it's more towards you know competing for for playing time and and future contracts as opposed to uh, getting upset with a guy who everybody feels is overpaid but is uh, underproducing. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, I've played on two teams. There's never been resentment for someone getting paid a lot, um, you know, maybe more than their, their value. Uh, it, 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 like I said, it, it happens in professional sports. And, uh, you know, every – you don't hope it happens to you. You don't want to be paid more than than what you, your value is to the team. But but you know contracts don't make a difference. It's, you know we have Gary Neal on, on basically a minimum contract that goes out and gets buckets for us every night for the last three years, um, knowing he's working for that next contract. And and guys just want to win and uh, you know try to get the best deal they can when they're when they're a free agent and, and zero resentment towards what anybody else has gotten. Yeah, I, I, I just know being around the pro guys, there's there's never that internal begrudgment because you know what it takes to get in that situation. If someone wants to complain about Matt Bonner's contract, well, why don't you go play in Italy for a year and, and go through what you went through and then and then come out and lead the NBA in three-point field percentage. Yeah, I agree. It, I, I, don't there's think there's any, I don't think there's no. any resentment about past uh, people being rewarded for past performance. I think that there are times in baseball or in basketball where there are, are guys who are um, who get upset with guys getting more minutes, more bats, um, pitching more uh, or less in some circumstances. Um, but I think those things happen when because there's such a in sports there's such a focus on the future and and the next yeah. thing uh, it's trained that I think that there are those resents, resentments do exist ice yeah. time and hockey and things well, it's like so that. tough to, to buy into the team concept and win championships like like the Spurs have because you got to put those things aside. I mean, the resentment factor, I think, is more of a product and a problem created by the fans. I mean, Carl Crawford was just just shattered emotionally here in Boston. There was so much pressure on him to produce. He tried to come back early. His elbow was killing him. He never really got back, but he really wanted to play hard, became a problem. Um, he wasn't a guy who really said the right thing, so the fans kind of started getting on his case. Came to the rehab for the Fish Cats. It was a disaster. Um, and... Uh, so I guess there is always that pressure, but you know, pressure is is what pressure is how you allow it to affect you. You know what I mean? You get yep. the strong, the strong can block it out. Well, well pressure comes with with the profession, with the job. You yeah. Know, you're, yep. you're, there's always pressure. There's pressure from from a thousand different angles at, at all times, and uh, you know that's where perspective comes in and understanding. You know, no matter how 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 bad, you know, how much you think everything's coming down on you, you play a game for your job. There's way more important things in the world, and and you know, you have, always have to keep that perspective and not not let your profession define you as a person. I mean, it's really hard to do, but you know, those who can learn how to do that definitely have happier careers. Gentlemen, as always, uh, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, we will uh, have a best of next week for uh, Christmas Eve. So, uh, Merry Christmas uh, to uh, to both of you, and uh, hope Merry you, Christmas. I hope you get the time to enjoy it 
uh, with both of your, your families, and uh, it's always a lot of fun doing the show with you guys. So uh, we will uh, catch up with you again uh, right before New Year's. All right. Merry Christmas. Thank you. It's the Life with Matt Bonner, presented by Concord Orthopedics.